I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck as foils attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Amazing about it, I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott. Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd Alert! It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! Welcome to my nightmare. You like scary movies? Uh huh. What's your favorite scary movie? There are things that go bump in the night. Listen to them, children of the night. They're coming to get you, Barbara. What music they make! You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. We all go a little mad sometimes. Rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. Number one, you can never have sex. I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. Number two, you can never drink or do drugs. Red rum! Red rum! Number three, never, ever, ever under any circumstances say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. They're here. Hi, I'm Jackie. Wanna play? Here's Johnny. I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Batu, Marada, Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. I'll be right back. Hello there, Obi John Kenobi, your favorite host in all of podcasting, with a very special, brand new episode of Nerd Alert. Joining me this week, uh, this is weird. I'm in the same room with the people I'm recording with. It doesn't happen very often. <laughs> with me this week, my literal right hand man, uh, the one who keeps the nerd and taught nerdy to me. It's Commander Cox. Hello, hello, and uh, <clears throat> just so you know, not all stereo to mono. Adapters are created equal. Apparently, I have two shitty ones that do not work at all. So, yeah. This has been shit we learned while setting up <laughs> with Scott. Uh, and joining us for this very special episode is a very special guest. Uh, we've talked shit about him for years, but now he's here in person, so we're going to be nice. <laughs> Our resident nice. maestro of all things, Michael Myers. The head honcho of Hawks, John Colin Gritton, our resident expert on everything slashers. Hey everybody, how's it going? I'm very excited to be here, very excited to talk Halloween and, you know, 
Do I had a, had a third title for you about Ghostface, but I can't remember what it was now. I don't know, but I I dug uh, the Geisha of Ghostface. The, that's what we're going to go with now. Or the Please. Guru of Ghostface. No, oh, Geisha. The Geisha. Geisha, yeah, the Geisha. It, is more, the... it is more diva-y, and that does feel like more you. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of bougie. You guys <laughs> didn't know. Or you did know, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, you're you're sounding beautiful on, on this mix thing that I had going on. Like, you should be in radio. Your voice is just... You've well, got the face for it, too. I appreciate it. You guys well, are awful sweet. Yeah. You look good. You sound good. Thanks. That's why you guys pay me the big bucks. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to those tacos later. Uh, so, this week, uh, we are capping off our celebration of all things spooky, uh, because it's spooky season. This is the capper for our Halloween season. We've done a... The entire month has been dedicated to all things spooky, mostly horror movies, because um, we're nerds. That's why I listen to the show. It's called Nerd Alert. Uh, this is me, this freeform thinking. Isn't it fun? Sorry. Back to the show. We are going to do our final state of the franchise. We, uh, If you haven't listened to them already, this month we did the state of the Conjuring universe and the state of the Evil Dead franchise. Uh, if this is your first ever state of, we're going to spend the entire episode talking about one franchise. And this week, of course, because this episode is dropping right before the big day itself, this week we are talking all about the state of Halloween. Uh, it's, you're looking at me confused, Scott. Ha- Halloween? Yes. I-, I watched Haunted Ween. Ha- we are doing the state of Haunted, Haunted Ween. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it was an amazing movie in 1991 and, uh, and uh, nothing else. <laughs> it's dying for a sequel. There was, there was an attempt for uh, a sequel. Uh, I don't think it met its crowdfunding and uh, yeah. that's it. Yeah, but, but the title is awesome. The title is Haunted Ween 2. This is some bullshit. Oh. No, that's The Rise of Hanks. You're thinking. Oh, The Rise of that's, Hanks. Okay. That's the prequel. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh, this is some bullshit. This is not some bullshit. This is the state of Halloween. Okay. Uh, so our first segment is going to be, what have we gotten so far? Uh, with the Halloween franchise, there's a lot we can unpack. We could be here for multiple episodes. We could be here for, I don't know, like a 13-part episode going one by one through an entire movie franchise. But who would do that? That sounds stupid. That sounds like we couldn't come up with stuff to talk about for 13 weeks, so we just did one franchise. I don't know if it's entirely stupid. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. You know? I can talk about Halloween for that's, that's, however many hours it is. I'm throwing shade at our sister show. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, plug for Friends with Benefits. They are, I believe, finishing up their 13-part retrospective about the entire Friday the 13th series. Uh, we're ADHD. We couldn't do an entire one franchise we we, we jump around too much so uh we're going to talk about what we've gotten so far and and to keep this from spiraling into like a nine-hour episode we're going to attempt attempt to limit ourselves to the original 1978 halloween and then the frustratingly titled 2018 movie halloween uh, because those are the two that are going to directly tie into the next couple of segments that being said it's us so, if we want to talk about Season of the Witch, we're going to talk about Season of the Witch. If you want to talk about how dumb the Thorn Cult was, we're going to talk about how dumb the uh, Thorn uh, Cult uh, was. Easy, easy. So, if we want to talk about Michael Myers versus the Ghostbusters... That's gold. We're not drunk enough yet, but maybe. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> so, um, the, so, we'll start with the beginning. The movie that started it all, and by it, I mean the slasher genre itself. Halloween, 1978. I love you, Uncle Joe Bob. You can, you can credit... Uh, Texas Chainsaw is being the first, but no, uh, uh, Halloween is the 
the father of this slasher genre. The grandfather, I would say, is Psycho. But And by that I mean Halloween directly spawned the entire 80s slasher genre. Because, and this is a quote from the producer whose name I didn't write down because I'm lazy. Erwin Lamba. Erwin Yablons. I mean the producer of Friday the 13th. The, the first director. Sean Cunningham. Sean Cunningham is quoted as saying, Why did you make Friday the 13th? Because Halloween made money. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, yeah. And and Friday the 13th, nineteen eighty. That's what that's that's what what lit everything on fire. But it wouldn't have happened without Halloween. So I love you, Joe Bob, but I'm gonna argue with you on that. Halloween is the the father of the modern slasher. Um, just go around. I want to go to to grit first before we get the dissenting opinion from Commander Scott. Yeah, he's not gonna like <laughs> grit. Uh, why is Halloween awesome? Uh, wow, man, that's that one's tough. So I didn't see Halloween until I was like, I didn't see Halloween until after Scream. So oh, okay. I you know I liked my scary movies and stuff, but Scream was the one that kind of introduced me to all the other. Uh, you know, it was your gateway things. drug. That's, it was my gateway drug. Fair. Absolutely. We're nineties so. kids, so yeah. So um, I've always loved the holiday of Halloween. So I think that to just have this movie, um, but even in the late nineties, it was you know twenty years old at that point, and it was dated, but it wasn't to the point where it was you know it, it, it still had it, and it still has it forty years later. Um, it's tough because. I think part of it is it's so simple. That's one thing that I think is awesome about it. And um, the simplicity comes through in the music. It comes through in the, the cinematography. Um, and then the character of Michael Myers is very simple, but awesome and terrifying. And, you know, they talk about there was never this, you know, there wasn't a movie about a guy in a mask who just stood outside your house and watched you. And... You know, the simplicity of that is, is terrifying in and of itself. Um, so, yeah, and I think that, that the, the collaboration between John Carpenter and Deborah Hill made for a perfectly well-rounded movie. Um, you have your Dr. Loomis character who's, like, super, like, intense and talking about, you know, the devil's eyes. But then you have, you know, the teenage girls who are very relatable and the teenage kids. And then even the younger kids are all very relatable and realistic characters. And it's not a perfect movie, you know, you can see the fan blowing the curtain outside the door, but, you know, it's, <laughs> it was a, it was an indie flick, and, and it had, you know, like I said, it, it, it was around Halloween, and it gave Halloween a new, the holiday gave Halloween a new theme song, a new icon, you know, and a new thing to be terrified of. It's maybe a little unfair, but I don't care. Uh, Halloween established so many things that will become iconography of not just Halloween, the holiday, but of the entire horror genre. People who people know that theme music whether or not they've ever seen the movie. Mm-hmm. They recognize that mask whether or not they've ever seen the movie. Uh, there's so many uh, what will become tropes of the genre set up in that movie. The final girl, the masked killer. Um, hold on. Let me refer to my notes. That's why I took them. Um... I don't have notes. Yeah, I this is what I did all, all morning. Uh, While well, somebody wasn't inviting me to play Avengers. <clears throat> Scott. Uh, no, it, there's so many things it, it sets up. And again, you said it, it, it's simple. And and for fans of modern horror, going back to watch it now, 
I can see why my modern younger audiences wouldn't appreciate that because the things it set up that were new at the time have now all become standard and staples of the genre. Uh, but it, it had a very simple story. Uh, it was easy to, easy to follow. You spend a lot of time getting to know your cast and your characters. So when this shit hits the fan by Act Three, hopefully you give a shit. Uh, there aren't any, you know, there's a thing we get in, in, in slasher movies now where there's always at least one character who, you know, is just there to die. And like, they try to make them as annoying as possible. So you're really excited when they die. I don't think there's anyone like that in the first Halloween movie. Everyone is given, you care about everybody legitimately. So when, when Michael comes after, whether it's, it's little Tommy, uh, or Lori, or any, you know, the unnamed boyfriend, well, he, he gets a name, but Bob. yeah, whenever he's... When he's coming at somebody, you've at least spent a little bit of time with them to, to, to care about them. I'd be like, oh shit, no. Um, that kind of instinct. Which which kind of goes out the window as the slasher genre goes on because the audience gets hip to what's what you're watching and, and you know, they're kind of ahead of the movie. So you always, nowadays, there's always at least that one character who's like, you know, as soon as they start acting like a douchebag, you're like, oh, well, we're just waiting for you to die now. Uh, it avoids that. Um but more than just the genre, the camera work in Halloween is, especially for the time, amazing. Uh, it was shot with the Panaglide, uh, which was the early competitor to the uh, Steadicam for you film nerds. Um, I include myself in that. Uh, it has a great mix of what was at the time new up-and-coming talent with older established talent. Uh, you've got your characters like uh, Loomis and the Sheriff to, to, to ground the movie, give a little bit of credibility with, um, um, wow, I just blanked on Loomis's real name. Donald Pleasance. Thank you, with Donald Pleasance in there. And then you have this whole cast of up-and-coming actors that are have maybe done a couple of things but haven't quite popped yet, like P.J. Souls, obviously um, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, the kills in the movie are about the impact, not the gore. Which is again something that, as the genre went on, kind of you know, shifted sides. But like the scene uh, where I forget her name, their friend who gets killed in the back of the car. There's no gore. He's not like slamming her face through the glass window. He's just he's in the back seat and strangling her. And the camera locks down and doesn't move. And you're just watching this person get strangled. It does a good job of of, of getting that like intensity and brutality without all the you know stabbing people through the head and gore and blood everywhere. Uh, make sure I got all thing out before Scott takes a dump on this. Um, I yeah. challenge you. <laughs> um, the thing I love about and the third act is is, and this, this is something I didn't really pick up on until multiple viewings. But Michael is very theatrical. He spends the whole first really two acts of the movie stalking and following Lori, so that in the third act, when the shit pops off. Literally everything is done to stage this performance for Lori. Everything from uh, his sister's headstone, restaging and moving bodies around, uh, making her run through the house in a specific order is all there to like. He's 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 so intensely focused on completely terrorizing this one person. And then my last thing for the first movie, the the the, the cherry on the the icing or on the the ice cream, whatever, for me. He does all that for no known reason. The first movie gives absolutely zero motive other than she walked up to drop off the key. 
of why Laurie, why this person, which to me is a really terrifying thing about the first movie, is because as an audience member, putting yourself into those shoes, it could be anybody. You looked at him wrong on the street, and that said, whatever, we don't know why he's picked this person, but he's done all this to horrify and terrify one person. And I've heard so many people complain about, oh, you know, he's, he's, an, he's an ineffective killer. He should have killed Lori sooner. It's like, it's not about killing her. It's about savoring the fear before he finishes her off. And, like, again... Not something I picked up on the first time I watched this movie, but as I've watched it over and over and over and over again, you kind of question, like, well, why did he Why did he lug the headstone of his sister? That had to be heavy. Why did he put it on the bed? Like, what's the theatricality? He's staging the scene. Um, so that being said, Scott, dissenting opinions. <laughs> so I didn't see this movie until last year? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was 42 when I saw this movie, beginning to end. Obviously, growing up in the 80s, I knew who Michael Myers was. Uh, I've seen some of the Friday the 13th movies. Huge fan of Nightmare on Elm Street, so I, I like scary movies. I love slashers. I'm, I understand what's going on. So, finally, <clears throat> Obi John said, you've got to see this movie. And I knew you were a fan of it. Um... And so he brought it over one night, and we watched it. This was the most god-awful, boring movie I've ever seen in my entire life. This, he's watched Michael Myers versus the Ghostbusters. That's so. more entertaining than Halloween. <laughs> wow. So, Michael Myers does nothing the first two-thirds of this movie. He drives creepily around in a car for most of the movie. He's standing... I feel attacked. You don't there. think wood paneled station wagons are creepy? No. They terrify me. No. No, not. <laughs> I'm going to get one. Me. I mean, he doesn't, you know, he does nothing. You know, everyone's, you know, and, and I've heard people say, you know, yeah, go kill ba- babysitters like Michael Myers. He kills one babysitter. Mm, he kills two. I guess Linda wasn't a babysitter. Yeah, she wasn't a babysitter. She wasn't a babysitter. She was just getting laid. Mm-hmm. You know. And then for some odd reason, he has, like, superhuman strength. I still haven't figured that part out. We could call Judith a babysitter. He's just, he's just a normal, normal person. So, yeah, I mean, we're assuming I mean, the parents are out. Judith's probably be in charge of Michael, so... Yeah. yeah. There. Or Two. It's, or it's Mrs. Blankenship <laughs> from across the street, either way. So, yeah, and I just... It's, it's boring. It's, it's a boring-ass movie. You get to the last end of it... And literally, it's just build up, build up, build up, and then nothing happens. Build up, build up, build up, and then nothing happens. Like, the, the one the one babysitter that he actually kills, there's like, what, three, four build-ups where they make you think he's gonna, this is it, you know, and then nothing happens. Like, when she's trapped out in the laundry room, and then when she's in, like, with the dog, and then there's, like, at least one more. I don't know if there's a second one or not. But, or a fourth one. But yeah, Nothing! Nothing happens until the last 15, 20 minutes of this movie. He doesn't kill anybody until 58 minutes into this movie. I know, because I rewatched it before we did this, and he killed somebody, and I went, oh, pause, 58 minutes. Okay, cool. He killed his sister at the beginning. No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. You don't see that. I'm sorry. Yes, you do. No, you don't. He comes in with a knife, and then the entire point of view is him looking at the knife. Who looks at a knife while they're standing somebody? She falls over and there's blood on her boobs. I didn't see it. Well, you need no, I, to see the, I see the blood. 
and I know she dies. We don't actually see him kill her. So by your logic, uh, Marion Crane doesn't really get killed in Psycho, because we didn't see the knife go in? Sure. Okay. Well, no, she dies, because that's established afterwards. Okay, it's established it's that she dies. established that Judith dies, too. Yeah, she dies, but yeah. but but there's there's no point. She of, might have had uh, pre-existing conditions that might have actually <laughs> yes, killed her instead exactly. of instead of you Michael. Know, okay, okay. analogy yeah. to kitchen knives is what no, no, it was. I, fair I, enough. No, I, I know I know Michael does kill her, and, and that that's the intention of the movie, and I get that. Um, but he's he kills not, the mechanic too. He's not quote unquote Michael Myers yet. Now the mechanic, I'll give Scott. You never see that happen. It's just literally just a dead body laying there, yeah. and they reference it. Okay, fine. But you definitely see him kill his sister. You see him kill his sister. Yeah, I'm just being facetious. But once again, I don't consider him Michael Myers quote unquote because he he doesn't have the iconic look yet. It's just a kid in the clown. He's costume. got a look. I'm so confused. We, we, we come back to that look. He's, he's a kid in the clown. I mean, Six year old Michael Myers doesn't count because he doesn't have his Kirk mask on yet yes okay there's some flawed logic here but go ahead in my opinion on that <laughs> the the iconic michael myers does not actually kill anybody till 58 minutes into this movie okay other than that he's literally just walking standing and driving creepily that's all he does um literally this movie is a bad remake it is a bad retelling of phantom of the opera yeah <laughs> And I say it's a bad retelling because in Phantom of the Opera we at least get backstory of the Phantom. We get now. Are you talking the original Phantom movie, or are you talking the novel, or are you talking the musical? I was the talking because they yet. all change the story a little bit. I've never. I've only had experience with the the movie musical, the movie version of the musical. The, the, get the, the fuck right out of here. Well, okay. the musical didn't come out until 1988. I, okay, I don't. I, I, I don't know how that. Because the, anyway, the Phantom continue. of the Opera predates Halloween. Continue, oh, yes. Okay, go ahead. But it's 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 Phantom of the Opera. You got the, the the white mask, the stalking the lead character, and then for whatever it's Phantom of the damn Opera. Well, see, so Phantom of the Opera, they there was this ongoing relationship between Eric and Christine, where he oh. was seducing her and teaching her music and oh. making her believe that uh-huh. he was her father, uh-huh. and there was this whole interaction. Uh-huh. Yeah. But with that explains his motivations. Okay. Yeah, so you strip that out, you have no explanation of Michael's motivations, hence shitty retelling of Phantom of the Opera. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, disagree with you there. Okay. Uh, no, no, look. look. <laughs> you can't. Scott does not like this movie, <laughs> no. and that's fine. That's like why you're here. Uh, look, look. As your friend, I said, you got to watch this, and you sat down and watched it. Yeah. You weren't playing on your phone while you were doing it. You were watching the movie, yeah. and I appreciate that about you. Uh, that being said, we're not going to agree on this, and that's <laughs> that fine. That being said, you're wrong. Um, sure. <laughs> you're entitled to your own opinion, but you're wrong. Let's go with the uh, fact that I'm wrong because I was bored as shit through this entire No, movie. look, and, that, and, and, and I, you bring up a good point, and I mentioned that, and I'll mention it again. Especially for modern audiences, this movie is very slow. Anything yeah. made pre-1994 is going to be slow for modern audiences. Everything before that whole MTV generation started editing movies, it's going to be slow. Jaws is a slow movie. Uh, yeah. Which is, here, here's what I love about Scott, though. This is a slow movie and it's boring. I'll give you that. It, it, it's, it's a long time before we see any on-screen kills. Because, again, the slasher genre hadn't really like come into its own yet. Look at Halloween 2, where they were following the structure of... of 
current slashers, you get kills a lot sooner, there's a lot more gore. Um, but Scott also loves to watch Star Trek The Motion Picture, and he doesn't find that slow? No. Okay. But also one of my favorite movies of all time is 12 Angry Men, the original, not the remake. I'm all for slow. I'm, I'm, I don't even think, uh, technically I guess you could consider me part of the MTV generation. I don't know if I am or not, because uh, I've never watched MTV. Um, but, um, I mean, if you have good actors, you know, interacting and actually compelling a story, that you don't have to have action. You don't have to have slasher. You don't have to so you kills. weren't compelled <laughs> with the torrid love affair of Laurie Strode and Ben Tramer? No. Okay. Um, now, you weren't compelled by Donald Pleasance's monologues about evil and stuff? Donald, Freaking out and yelling at every authority figure in, he meets? In my, opinion, <laughs> in my opinion, at the time you know, this movie made, Donald Pleasance is, is probably the best actor in the movie at the time. Definitely the biggest name. The biggest name. Um... Uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, the main Lori. Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, Jamie, Jamie, Lee Curtis. Thank you. Jamie Lee Curtis. She's good. Love Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, this was one of this was her first starring role. She'd had a couple of small like TV roles. Yeah, just put like her on the map. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and she's very compelling when she's on screen and she's doing her thing. Um, but then you cut to Michael, and nothing happens. So, which is like half the movie is Michael doing nothing. If you had focused more on the actual actors being actors and, and actually, you know, driving the story forward, I think it would have been better as a drama, but it's not a drama and it's weird. It, 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 so there's nothing going on. Now, going back to Donald Pleasance, though, is it me? Did it, did, am I the only one that thought he looked very weirdly pleased with himself for scaring the children in that one scene. Remember when they're outside the, the house and he... Yeah, that's in a very important scene because it's going to establish a character that we're going to talk about later, which is Lonnie. Get your ass away from there. Lonnie Elam. So the thing Remember that, that people like want to <laughs> kind of downplay or overlook about Loomis is that he's pretty much as crazy as Michael is, except he's kind of the other side of the coin. But especially when you get into later sequels, like I did my rewatch yesterday, I guess, the, or the day before. Anyway, so I rewatched all of them um, within the last two days. And you get to four and five, and Loomis is unhinged, man. He has fully lost it. And even when you get to the end of, you know, or halfway through part two, you start to realize that Loomis is coming unhinged. So there's a lot that we feel like we know about Loomis because he's the protagonist and he's the good guy. But he's, uh, you know, there's little glimpses where you realize that he's kind of as crazy as, as any of them. What know? I love about Loomis, and this this is something I didn't click for me until I watched a whole different movie, um, Behind the Mask, Rise of Leslie Vernon, where they refer to that character type as the Ahab. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I heard someone mm-hmm. refer to Loomis as Ahab, it clicked. It was like, yeah, no, he is. He is completely obsessed. Fully obsessed with his white whale, yep. white mask, get it? Okay, and that makes mm-hmm. that's that's Loomis. That's his character. I don't know if that was intentional when they were writing it. Um uh, but no, you're definitely right. Like he has the veneer of I'm a doctor, I'm accredited, I'm I'm the authority figure, I'm your Obi Wan for lack of a better term. Um but no, he's 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 not all there either. He just he's he's got the right credentials, mm-hmm. but he ain't all there. Uh, he is completely wholly obsessed about catching Michael, just as much as Michael is wholly obsessed about Lori. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is an interesting dynamic. But no, that would that would make me chuckle if I was to scare some little shithead kids away from a. <laughs> no, that would I would grin like yeah, that would be like yeah, ha-ha, yeah a gr- like gotcha. a, yeah like ha ha yeah like yeah, ha ha funny that that's not a ha ha funny grin that's he not has, a ha ha funny face that no. is a, that is a sadistic ass he's gotten I think he's got a chubby in that scene from doing well that. let's not go. I think you thought think about Loomis a little too much at that I, point this guy I mean hey, he is I wearing a big up. grin. I looked at him, and I'm like, that dude's turned on. Though, He's wearing that big done. 80s-style raincoat. You never know. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, that's the original. Uh, love it or hate it, you can't argue its impact on the genre uh, and, and the influence it had for horror and slasher movies. Uh, maybe you don't, you know, fluff it up as much as I do, but I think it's it's the pillar upon which everything else is built. Um so it's inevitable we're going to get sequels, and we get we got plenty of sequels. This section of the show is going to be called glossing over. Um, so <laughs> to get to what we actually need to talk about, so Halloween was successful. We got Halloween two in nineteen eighty one, which was then followed by Halloween three: Season of Witch, which we're not even going to mention because we talked about that in other shows. Then yeah, it was dormant for a while. Switched hands to different producers. We had Halloween four, five, and six was is kind of a loose connected trilogy. Uh, there were ideas, but they don't necessarily carry over from one movie to the next movie. Uh, roles switch actors. Uh, it gets a little weird. Um, then it was dormant again for a while um, until we had... you got to give me like two minutes to plead my case on Curse of Michael Myers. Oh, we can talk about Curse of Michael Myers. Are we going to say... Which one is that one? Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Introducing Paul Rudd. Yes. Okay, go. So, back up. Four, five, six. So, four was the return of Michael Myers after he was missing in three. Five was Curse. No, Revenge of Michael Myers. Return, Revenge, Curse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's what people call the Jamie Lloyd trilogy. So, you got your Laurie Strode trilogy, one, two, and H2O. You got your Jamie Lloyd trilogy right there in the middle. Um, So, a lot of people give Curse of Michael Myers a lot of crap because it's... It's a hot mess, you can say it. It's a little contrived, and there's too much influence from the studio and all this. There's a whole big backstory. Nobody knew what to do, and so what the writer had to do was figure out what to do to A, make it different, to B, fix the hot mess that was Halloween 5. At the end, nobody knew what to do with Halloween 5. So literally, There's a a big cliffhanger at the end of 5 that was put there without a fully realized this is what's happening, which is to, oh, this will be cool, we'll figure it out later kind of mentality. Yeah. So the writer for 6 was stuck with, hey, figure it out now. Exactly. Figure out what the hell we did with this, figure out who this man in black is, and write a story about it, and make it not suck. And so he did, and, you know... They did their test audience. Now, so let me just tell you about what I love about Halloween 6. So Halloween 6 came out in 1994. All right. For the record, the first Halloween movie I ever saw was Part 6. Yeah. On Encore. Thanks, Dale. There you go. So it was pre... There's a, there's a short era of, of slashers and horror movies in the early 90s. And so the 90s are, are made up of pre-scream and post-scream. Yes. So, when it comes to horror movies, when it comes to slashers. So, Halloween 6 was, was pre-Scream, which came out in 96. And so, you got Jason Goes to Hell's pre-Scream, Freddy's Dead's 90's pre-Scream, uh, Curse of Michael Myers, and Wes Craven's New Nightmare are all pre-Scream. So, it has this vibe of, like, early 90's. It's got definitely this early 90's vibe to it. It's not 80's, it's not, you know. So, 
I love that. It's got a great uh, guitar theme coming into it, which was different. They hadn't done that before. Um, so the theme was rocking. The town and the whole vibe is definitely Halloween. They actually shot it in Salt Lake City in the winter. So they were like burning off, trying to burn off snow off of the set so that they could, you know, there's some behind so the scenes. So it's gone full circle from painting leaves to look like it's fall to melting snow because it's yeah. <laughs> too late now. There's a behind the scenes <laughs> video where there's literally just snow. Well, they're carving pumpkins, you know, for the set and it's just covered in snow. So anyway, um, the mask. Are we going to do a whole, a whole thing? I was going to do a whole separate segment, but do you want to rank them now? No, we'll do okay, that later. Okay. We'll do that when you were scheduled. Okay. Um, There's two words you haven't mentioned yet about why that? part six is amazing. Paul Rudd? Paul fucking Rudd, yeah. Paul fucking Rudd. That, that's three words. That's three words. <laughs> Paul fucking Rudd. The second. Okay, so, I, get, so, no, I so, got you. So <laughs> fucking Rudd is one word? Yes. Yeah. Uh... Yes, and Paul Rudd was fantastic. The thing about Paul Rudd is... Oh, poor Paul Rudd. And the, the actors have said, you know, obviously Paul Rudd is a huge star now. And, and this he, was his... It wasn't... This it, was... Was it first flat-out movie? Film debut, yeah. yeah. Opening credits are introducing Paul Rudd. Yep. Um, but it, the other actors have said, you know, he always took it serious. He was never like, oh, God, this is Halloween 6. Like, dude, I got to do this for a paycheck. You know what I mean? He was, like, into the character. He took every scene seriously. And it, and it shows. He does a great job in the movie. And you get to some sequels like this, and characters, and, you know, actors are just taking a job. They're there to make sure that they don't get fired the next day and just to get a paycheck. And that's it. And that's unfortunate. But he wasn't. So, yeah, there's mad love for Paul Rudd. And, um, you know, like I said, the movie wasn't perfect. I thought it was just a lot of fun. It's definitely one of my favorite sequels. It's way uh, leaps and bounds above uh, Part 5. Oh, God. It's a little bit above... Uh, 4 would have been great if the mask didn't look like a Muppet. Because <laughs> it followed the formula of the first one. Basically, we got the first one over. But he looked like a Muppet, and so it didn't work. Is, is it 4 or 5 where the mask turns blonde for one scene? That's 4. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so no, I, I, the first Halloween I ever saw was Halloween six when it was on encore. Uh, so it had to have been like 97 ish. Um, cause that was the only cable channel my dad would spring for with stars, which came with encore. Nice. Uh, and I hadn't seen any Halloween movie. I had no frame reference at all. So super confused at the beginning of the movie like who is this guy what's going on why did this person have a baby now they're running away well i'm confused but then you get that whole like monologue thing with paul rudd where he's doing his i guess it's an early podcast uh he calls into a radio show i think is is the setup Mm -hmm. where he gives his whole backstory and starts building up michael myers is his like otherworldly thing so by the time michael myers comes back around again i was like properly built up like oh fuck it's the boogeyman um it was an interesting way to come into the franchise, <laughs> but it, it left oh, uh, a very indelible mark out of me of like, oh, okay, what, what is this? Like, years later, I'd go back and start the, the franchise proper, um, but I've, I've got love for, for part six, and then there's the whole producer's cut thing, which, it it, it was a, a victim of studio interference on multiple levels. Let's put some names on it. Bob and Harvey Weinstein can kiss my ass. For multiple and reasons. This was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, I always like to say I hated Harvey Weinstein way back, you know, in the 90s when it was a thing. But, you know, that was one of those things. Honestly, I like the theatrical cut better because the, the producer's cut, it, it falls flat. I'm not going to lie. 
I saw the producer's cut, but I hadn't seen the original cut in so long. I couldn't tell you what was different about it. So yeah, well, the end uh, for the producer's cut basically is they run out in the hallway and he sets up some rocks and and Michael Myers walks into the circle and stops and then they run away. And that's how they stop Michael Myers. And so, I mean, I get that, you know. And plus, the audience is wanting blood. They wanted gore. Their producer's cut didn't have it. And, I mean, I get what he was trying to do. And I feel like there was a happy median somewhere between what we got and the producer's cut. But, um, you know, I don't know. Like, like I said, I think that they were trying something brand new. They were forced to try something brand new. Because basically with 4 and 5, especially with 4, they repeated the formula almost verbatim from the first one. Which... Gave us Michael Myers, gave us some vibes, and it, you know, it gave us that, what we were trying to get from the, they were trying to recapture from the first one. And so by the time you get to six, it's like, well, I don't know what to do anymore. People still like Michael Myers, people still want a Halloween movie, but like, how do we make it new and fresh and different? And we know it has to have Michael, because we tried taking him out of three, and look how that works, so we gotta have work. Michael in there. Didn't work. Four <laughs> part three. Should have just been called Season of the Witch. Um... So anyway, I'm not going to, uh, I know the point was to kind of go straight to 18, but I just, okay. I okay. have to, hey. I got to say my piece about Curse because the poor movie just doesn't get enough love. In it my doesn't. I, I I appreciate the whole Thorn cult angle. Um, it was something. If, if nothing else, it gave us our in for Michael Myers versus the Ghostbusters. Bam. Uh, but uh, it, it's interesting. I'm not sure. I think there's potential there. Uh, I don't think it quite works in part six. But then after six, it was dormant again for a long time until H2O, which was the thing we never thought would happen, which is at that point, Jamie Lee Curtis is now Jamie Lee Curtis. She's a big actress. She was at least nominated. I don't know if she won an Academy Award, but she's she's a big thing now. She's never going to come back to this little slasher franchise. Nope, nope, she did. She came back for H2O, and that was the first time we got a full-on retcon sequel where we're ignoring everything except the first one. Here's second a straight... One. Yeah. Uh, you're right, you're right. Do they address two in H2O? I wanted H2O on forever. Yeah. Okay. We're ignoring everything but the first two. Uh, ret- forget all that. Here's the actual sequel you wanted to see. Um, and it was... You'd say six is 90s. H2O <laughs> is 90s as fuck. Well, that's the thing. You got two Michael Myers <laughs> movies pre and post screen. Yeah. And yeah. H2O was very Scream inspired. It was co-written by Kevin Williamson, who wrote Scream. So... You know, you got Michael Myers, Two Sides of Scream. Very different movies. This was the only one I've seen in theaters. You've got Josh Hartnett and... Um, Michelle Williams. No, her real name from uh, Dawson. Uh, <laughs> her real name is Michelle Williams. Her <laughs> no. Dawson character is Jen Lindley. Yeah, Jen. That's Jen. Her real we name. got Jen, her actual <laughs> from real Dawson. Name, of course, yeah. yeah. And Josh Hartnett. Do I need to say more? <laughs> no, you don't at all. Um... It's uh, it was inch. Oh, and sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Ella Cool J. I forgot to mention the star of the movie. Janet uh, Lee was in it too. The star of the movie, Ella Cool J. No, Janet Lee does get a cool cameo where she's driving the same car she has in Psycho. That was that was the neat little nod. She says to Jamie Lee Curtis, she says, "Now, if I may, may be maternal for a moment," and I'm like, "Because eh, it's your mom." It's your mom. Well, in, in going back, we're going to nerd out for a sec. There's so many intentional nods to Psycho in the original Halloween mm. from the names Sam Loomis. Uh, isn't there a second name in there somewhere? Nurse Marion, yeah. yeah the yeah. nurse's name was Marion, although yeah, I don't think they mention it. I think they just put it in the credits. They never give her. They never say her name. She doesn't. She's named in part two, though, right? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, there, there's there's tons of winks and nods between somewhere. the two because because Carpenter was a big fan, so that was fun to see that kind of played out. 
Um, so the H2O doesn't really go over like gangbusters. I mean, it doesn't flop hard, but it doesn't really reignite the franchise. It was how many years before between H2O and Resurrection? It was four. Resurrection came out in 02. So Resurrection, we're just not going to talk about it. It was bad. It was bad. As much hatred as Rob Zombie's movies get. Oh, they're about to get some hatred. They're better than (laughs) Resurrection. Absolutely. Put up side by Resurrection. Oh my God! Yep. Really, I would rather watch. I would rather watch. Uh, Buster Rhymes. Buster Rhymes, say trick or treat, motherfucker, and then Roundhouse Chuck Norris kick Michael Myers <laughs> on a loop for twelve hours, <laughs> than ever watch another frame of Rob Zombie's Halloween. Wow, that is. I stand. I fucking hate those movies. Even after all these years, no redeeming qualities. No, no, no. We'll talk about it, that in a minute. It really pisses me off because we're just going to jump shark now. We're we're done talking about resurrection. Resurrection's <laughs> bad. It was every bad horror trope and every bad idea from a '90s horror movie thrown into a blender and with a with a sprinkling of Michael Myers on. Which one are we talking about now? Resurrection. Okay. Sorry, it, it was it was the found footage, oh. reality TV. Halloween movie. We got Starbuck. We got to see Starbuck get her head chopped off. So that was something. That is... No, Resurrection was awful. It's unwatchable. I mean, the second that LL... And the the poor girl, the main girl, she's very earnest in her role. She is acting. She's doing, you know, a pretty decent job. It's just... I don't know what they were trying to accomplish with Busta Rhymes, but the way he's sitting there... And I had this... I I did. I, I threw it on during my rewatch the other day and it's I ended up not finishing it. It's it's unwatchable. It's and what sucks is it's directed by um um come on. The same director as part two. Oh really? Yeah. I did not know that until just a second. Freaking look up his name. It starts with I got an you. R. I got you. He's actually married to Nancy Stevens who played the nurse. Uh the director of part two and resurrection. Um but yeah, just the way Buster Rhymes is sitting there talking to himself in the hotel room, I'm like, okay, this is it. This is the beginning of the end of the movie. He's like talking to the kung fu movie that he's watching in the hotel room. I didn't, I didn't see Resurrection, so you didn't. Rick Rosenthal. Rick Rosenthal. Yeah. I knew it was two R's. Let's say Rob Reiner. Like, yeah, that ain't right. Sorry. <laughs> that I, Rob Reiner doing a Halloween movie would be very interesting. <laughs> It'd be a very interesting show, wouldn't it? So I, I've yeah. seen. I've seen one, two, three, four. What are the ones that Joe Bob did in, in that one? In this one you season? saw one, four, and five on Joe Bob. Right. Well, yeah, I didn't see one on Joe Bob. Cause okay. We, well, just, that's, we that's, just watched it. Joe Bob did one, four, and five. Yeah. Okay. Um, I could have sworn I've seen two and three as well. But I've not seen six. I saw H2O in theaters when it came out. Um, and I've not seen Resurrection. You haven't seen Season of the Witch? No, no. Yeah, he seen, has. Yeah, season of the Witch was the first one that I saw. I see. You like, just like said complete. I haven't seen two and three. That's right. Three is Season of the Witch. Sorry. Okay, good. Okay. Um, yes. I'd never call it three. I always just call it Season of the Witch. Right. Fair. Which is um, what it should have been called. Which is what it should have been called. Yeah. Which I love Season of the Witch, you mm-hmm. know, just because if you if you strip out your expectation from Michael Myers, it's a decent Halloween oh, movie. Oh, And put a pin in that because we're going to come back to this. It's so, lovely. I, I but, love it. But anyway... Um, so and I'm not seeing the uh, the Rob Zombie movies well, that's, uh, at all. That's where we're about to go briefly. So, yeah. I got a defense for those too. Go ahead. <laughs> you can get out then. No, no defending <laughs> those movies on my show. Uh, no, um, where I checked out of Resurrection is at one point Michael Myers kills somebody who's in the house setting up cameras. He stabs them with a tripod. Yeah. And look, I will give a movie as much. Uh, um, uh, 
not benefit the doubt. Suspension of disbelief as I possibly can, because I, I, when I'm watching a movie, fine, I'm watching the movie, cool. I will go with whatever dumb rules you want me to go along with, Looper. Um, but that, I could not separate myself from. I was firmly in my, I'm the, I am the 90s film nerd that was me as a person at that age in my life. Like, no, I got a tripod right over there. I can't stab anybody with it. It didn't work. Blunt. Got a rubber stopper on there so it doesn't slide around. That's where I checked out of that movie. I was like, I can't do it. I can't suspend my disbelief anymore. And it was all downhill from there. Um, so Resurrection, ironically, did not do much for the franchise. Shocker. It was several years until we came around to, hey, let's reboot it. Mm-hmm. Which on the surface is not a bad idea. Well, uh, when was it? 07? Yeah. That uh, it sounds about right. There was so much stuff tacked onto the franchise at that point. Uh, a fresh start for new audiences. Okay, not a bad idea. Rob Zombie as a director. Not a bad idea. Having, uh, I remember watching House of a Thousand Corpses and thinking, okay, that was a very good first film. Uh, it goes off the rails in Act 3, but you can definitely tell it's made by somebody who loves the genre. It's very student film because it was Rob Zombie's first movie. Cool. Devil's Rejects. The level in skill between <laughs> uh, House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects is night and day. And I'm like, wow. Like, you can tell he learned his lessons on the first one. He's applying them to the second one. It's a much more cohesive movie. It looks better. It's better acted. It's better written. Like, cool. Lots of improvement between the two. Picking him to do Halloween, I'm like, oh, okay, that, that'll be interesting. I like the direction he was headed. Uh, I thought he was the right guy for the job because he loves the genre. He's a fanboy who got to direct the movies uh, with that whole singing career on the side. Um, I was all gay. I was all for it, and then I watched it, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Like this feels like it was made by somebody who fundamentally does not understand Michael Myers at all. That's true. What I said about the first movie, when we talked about that, is is the the what makes Myers scary is the unknown. We don't know why he killed his sister. We don't know why he latched onto Lori. We don't know why he's obsessed with the mask. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We don't need to know. That's why he's scary. Is the mystery. Rob Zombie spent the whole first thirty forty minutes explaining all of that. And it was every bad Rob Zombie joke you've heard about a Rob Zombie movie of everyone's dirt, poor, white, trash, inbred, redneck bullshit. Because uh, that's what he loves. Except his hot wife. She's definitely not. Yeah, no, she's an angel. Literally, in the second movie, she's a fucking angel. Um, it's, it's So by the time you finally circle around to remaking Halloween, where it's a good 30 minutes in before we even meet our, our what I would say, the main cast, Lori and her friends and all that, they're almost inconsequential, because now it's all about Michael. And it's not necessarily a bad idea to focus on Michael as the lead character, but when you do all that, you take away what makes the character work, and I don't give a shit about... Tyler Main, redneck, uh, bodybuilding, Michael Myers. I don't care about that version. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> to quote Brian E. Kemp, it's stupid, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, I think the thing about... So I was the same way. I remember seeing the trailers, and so right up until the very last like couple weeks, I was like very much a naysayer, like, this is going to suck, and this is not right, this is not going to be good. And then I got like hammered by the trailers. We're going to the movie theater at the time, and I got hammered by the trailers. I was like, okay, cool, yes, all right, let's do it. And there's a few redeeming qualities about the Halloween movie. Tyler Bates' opening theme, his take on the theme was boss. Loved it. Um, 
But yeah, I don't. I mean, Rob Zombie is way too full of himself. He is not told no. It doesn't seem like by hardly anybody. So he's able to just do whatever he wants. Certainly not on the second movie. No, definitely not on the second movie. And I don't know why the first one was such a success to to make a second one. Unless the I don't know what the budget was in the first one. It must be it made money. I was gonna say his budget must have been pretty low. Um, I, I mean, I guess after I come, if I'm doing a marathon and I come straight off of Resurrection. I can tolerate the first Rob Zombie Halloween a lot more. It is a remake. It has all that white trash garbage in it. They're talking about, you know, you got the freaking kids in the bathroom talking about pumping freaking man juice out of the sister or the mom. And I'm like, Jesus, dude, like, why? What is your point here? Scott just made a face. Scott, this is why I'm never going to say, you should watch that movie, Scott. No, (laughs) no, no, don't, ever. I would never recommend it, especially since there's different Halloweens. And so talking about explaining Michael Myers, you got two two sides of the coin we just talked about. Like you got Curse where they try to explain it with the, the, the curse, and then you got Rob Zombie where they try to explain it with poor white trash. And it's like... It tries to make him a sympathetic character. It tries to put you on Michael's side. Oh, he was bullied as a kid, and he had a really bad home life, so you should have... No, no, yeah, no. It's it's infinitely scarier. And again, the first movie, even though it was shot in California, was fundamentally trying to be any town USA Midwest, where where you could see yourself, you know, hanging with these people. You could see yourself. You could literally put yourself in that place. The Rob Zombie is so drowned in that rockabilly bullshit he loves, where it's like, I don't know those people. If I did know those people, I sure as hell wouldn't spend time with those people. <laughs> Why do I care about that? And he's got a bad home life. Shut up. Yeah. Um, it doesn't it's, vibe. It's infinitely creepier where he's just, you know, run-of-the-mill kid, average parents, Midwest home, who just decides to kill his sister one day. Like, that's creepy. For sure. Um, yeah, so so Rob Zombie's Halloween. I mean, it... I mean, It was it, successful enough to get a sequel. It made money for the studio. If anything, it kept the franchise going for a bit until we finally got to the movie I think we all wanted to get forever, which is Halloween 2018. Hang on, one more thing about okay. the sequel. One, okay. one thing... Two things. One thing about Rob things. Zombie's Halloween 2... How much time we got left? Is it probably not enough. <laughs> it's definitely not enough. It, 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 if... It, it's like Season of the Witch. If it was not a Halloween movie, if it was not Michael Myers, if it was just a standalone movie, it would be way less bad. And Brad Dorff's reaction whenever he finds Annie dead was freaking incredible. Brad Dorff is an excellent actor. Wait, wait. Is Brad Dorff in the first one or the second one? Both. He's, He's in, in both, both of them. Well, see, I gotta watch him. I love Brad Dorff. He's fan- Well, so, so just his performance. Yeah, yeah. I liken to the scene in Hereditary where the mom finds out about her kid. They're both just, like, gut-wrenching, parents losing a kid, like, just incredible performances. So, that's all I'll say. Halloween 2 should have been named something else. It might not have been as bad. I might have had different expectations for Even it. if you retitle Hall- Rob Zombie's Halloween 1 is something else. Like, I, I, I don't have an issue with Rob Zombie. He's, he's got a very specific thing he does, and that's fine. That's his thing. Cool. 
where the problem comes in is you're trying to get him to make Halloween fit into what his thing is, and it doesn't. Doesn't fit. Uh, for either movie, it doesn't work. If you just just let him make his own movie, which is what he's done since. Yeah. Since the Halloween 1 or Halloween 2, he's only done original stories, he's only done his own projects. They haven't been great, but... Whatever. They haven't been, but they're his thing. <laughs> That's his thing. So he's, <laughs> he might make... It's one thing to make a bad movie. It's another thing to take a beloved IP, franchise, whatever, and ruin it. Don't put your thing on my thing, exactly. Rob Zombie. Exactly. Keep talking. So, okay. <laughs> anyway, here we are at 18. So, Bam. finally, yes, we are back. And this is a movie that in so many ways shouldn't have worked but did because it's repeating a lot of things we've already done. It is essentially H40. It's another retcon sequel where we're, we're going to ignore everything but the first movie now. Including part two. Including part two, uh, which I think is a good decision. Uh, it's going to be uh, written and produced by guys mostly known for comedy. Which is the weird trend right now in horror. Is if you were a comedian, you made great horror movies now. Funny how that works out. John Krasinski doing um, uh, Quiet, Quiet Place. Place and Jordan um, Peele. Yeah, yeah. And then if so, if you were a comedian, now you make horror. And if you were in horror, now you make action movies. See James Wan and Justin Lin. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how it's working now. Yes. Um, so. Uh, these are really hastily written notes. Uh, it really shouldn't have worked, but it absolutely does. So much of this has already been done. Um, again, H2O kind of did the same thing. It's repeating a lot of that. Um, it, as much as I love what they did with Lori in, in this new movie, they basically made her Sarah Connor. It works. I yeah. love it, but... I was thinking the exact yeah. same thing, because I, I watched 2018 for the first time uh, this past week. So in preparation for for the show this week, I, I, I watched one and then went straight to, to 2018. Um, that's what they want you to do. Yeah, and, and I knew that. So yeah. so that's why I watched it that way. And and I I I loved 2018. It was good. It was fun. I really liked the the juxtaposition with uh, Laurie's Michael stuff they have her doing in 2018, where she's standing across oh, the school. Get to, oh, yeah, 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 that yeah, type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, yep. yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was good. Uh, but I, I was thinking the exact same thing when I was watching it. I was like, oh, they made her Sarah Connor. I was like, this is kind of cool. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And if yeah. you're going to steal, steal from the best. So mm-hmm. what do you do with a character who has spent 40 years in the shadow of this horrible night and this killer hanging over her head? Sarah Connor in Terminator 2, not a bad way to go with her character. And, mm-hmm. and Jamie Lee Curtis pulls it off. You really believe that this is the character who... Has her whole life has been destroyed by that one night in so many ways. Well, what's interesting that they did with Lori is they, she hasn't been, you know, living like a hermit. She tried to have a normal life. She because they discussed she, that you she know had what two, two, two failed marriages, two failed marriages. Yeah. She had a daughter got taken ruined away her relationship with the daughter. She can't do it, you know. And, and that's what's interesting is it's not that she's so one dimensional that she just lives and breathes and exists for this. It's that she tried to do it. She just can't. It's she's just kind of that broken and and that. I mean, there's just so many different levels to that. I think it's it's. I would argue. I, I'm going to agree and argue with you at the same point. Because <laughs> uh, I. Why those marriages didn't work, her obsession with Myers. Mm. Why her daughter hates her, her obsession with Myers and the way she'd raised her daughter. It's because of Myers. She's, she's never gotten over it. She's never been able to move on past it. It dominates her life. Mm. And in, in, a movie, you know, we can be told about things that happened off screen or happened in the past, but we have to judge it by what we see. Mm-hmm. And what we see from Lori in this movie is she's never gotten over this. This has defined her life. And the thing Scott That's brought up point. that I'm going to double down on is 
why this movie is awesome and it's something else I didn't really pick up on until like the second time I watched it is Lori and Michael have completely switched places. Mm-hmm. Lori's the one standing outside the school watching uh-huh. her granddaughter. Lori's the one who's in a car driving creepily with around. a weapon <laughs> drinking and driving <laughs> while she's watching Michael get loaded onto a van. She's actively stalking Michael now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, down to the ways shots are done. Where they're uh, they're fighting on the house and she gets knocked off the roof and we cut back and she's disappeared now. They repeat shots yep. mm-hmm. from the first movie, the the uh, leaning up out of the shadows uh, shot from the first movie that's it's so iconic is redone in this one with Lori creeping up on him. They've completely reversed the roles and it works again. Shouldn't work, but it does uh, because. Just like in the first movie, where Michael is so focused on terrorizing this one person, and everything he does is staged for that one person, that's what Lori's done for 40 years. That whole house, and spoiler yeah. if you hadn't seen the movie, that whole house is a trap for Michael. Everything she's done is for Michael. Uh, the, I love the this, this scene, one of my favorite scenes was when the, the daughter's in the basement mm-hmm. with yes. the rifle. That was awesome. And she has that breakdown. Yep. To lure Michael out, and then as soon Nailed as he it. pops up, she her demeanor changes. Gotcha, She's, gotcha. Bam! It's Perfect. a headshot, dude. Yeah. Beautiful. That was great. Yeah. Which is not to take away from Michael, because I love what they did with Michael in this movie. Uh, we addressed it's 40 years later. We, we see him. And again, they do a great job of you see him, but you never see his face. We see him from behind. The, the, the most emotion we get out of him is when the, the podcaster holds up the mask and he turns his face slightly. Yeah. That's, that's all we get, but it speaks volumes for the character. Uh, they return him to being the brutal uh, uh, killer he is in the first movie. Uh, well, well, even in, in this one, Laurie actually calls him on camera the shape. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was, she, awesome. she, says, she says, I saw him, I saw the shape. I saw the shape, it, yeah. yeah. And that was a cool throwback. That was. For people who don't know, that's what he was called in the original script. If you look in the original credits, yeah. it says the shape, the shape. Nick Castle. So. Yeah, but but he's never called that on screen Correct. Right. in the yeah. first one. Yeah. 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 So. Um, but they, they return him to... It's not so much about the gore, it's about the brutality. Uh, the scene where he's you know in the bathroom dropping the teeth. Uh, he's, he's still got theatricality to him. Uh, but he, his first two on-screen kills, he doesn't even have a weapon. He's just beating them against the wall mm. um, to get his mask back. Uh, he picked <laughs> the right bathroom. Um, and then the, the other big sequence I love with him is the in the backyard with the boyfriend's buddy with the motion light where it mm-hmm. shuts off and then he moves and shuts back on. And now he's, you know, that whole scene, it, it does get a little more of the gore where he like, you know, pikes his head out of the, the fence. Um but again, they get across the brutality without having like obvious set-up gore effects. Um, that tracking shot where he's walking through the neighborhood, casually murdering people and upgrading weapons. Yeah. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Well, once, once again, so with this movie, yeah. I, I enjoyed this movie. This movie, you know, it, I, I was entertained. It held my attention the entire time. I was not bored once in this movie. It had great story. It had good backstory. Of course, the backstory is... The boring ass movie you got to watch, you know, before you, as a, as a companion to each other, they work very well. Uh, you can't watch 2018 and enjoy it nearly as much without having seen Halloween, right, and knowing where it's coming from. But 
Yeah, I mean, because it's the like you said, it's a switch of Laurie and them. It's, it's the same format almost as the first movie, you know, because of that. Mm-hmm. But it's better. It's infinitely better because you have story in and amongst the stalking. Well, filmmaking's changed in four years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, your see, audience would, has changed in forty years yeah. too. See, I, I would disagree with that because, like I said, like. You know, Twelve Angry Men, one of the original, is is one of my favorite movies of all time. Well, if it, I watch, it, it happens in one room. If I watched Twelve Angry Men, that probably think it was boring as shit. So, Twelve you know, Angry Men is a great movie, but Twelve Angry Men is a play somebody filmed. Yes, but what I'm saying is, you you can't say anything filmed before. Oh yeah, no, but you're, also, you're, you're comparing apples to oranges. Twelve Angry Men and a slasher movie. Don't the same things aren't going to work for that? Twelve Angry no. Men works because it's twelve people in a room, well, it, hashing out. Uh, well, now hang on, because they made a remake of that in early two thousands. It's boring as shit because it's not only about that, but it's about the actors. The actors doing it have to hold you. So the, the actors' performances. But again, you're comparing a one room drama. Yes. To but a it, horror movie. But if you look at if you look at Halloween, it, it, it's a slasher. But there's like no slashing. But you're still comparing apples to oranges when you're comparing the 18 movie no, to you want to compare to Halloween to like Texas Chainsaw or Psycho or something in the same genre, working with the same conventions. Fine, but that's like saying um, the reason Citizen I, Kane is boring. I like Bad Boys Two. Those the, are two different movies. The reason I keep bringing up Twelve Angry Men is because most of Halloween, there's no action. There's no. It's it's all dramatic uh, actors trying to drive the story forward, just like a drama. And it doesn't have to be Twelve Angry Men; it can be any drama. Okay, I don't care. Just like a drama where you have actors trying to drive the story forward, but with Halloween, it doesn't work, in my opinion. Okay. Okay. Moving on. Back to eighteen. So, anyway. Let me tell you what I liked about eighteen. I haven't even freaking talked about eighteen. So, as a fanboy, I literally cried during the opening credits of eighteen. Can we talk about how amazing that is and why no one's thought of it until now? I don't know because it didn't because yeah. it wasn't applicable until now. It, I'm, I'm glad no one did. It didn't fit and it didn't matter. And for this, it was perfect. And uh, I was literally crying in the opening credits because this was the movie that I've been wanting for twenty years. Which is ridiculous to say, because... Jesus. Um, well, well, before leaving the opening credits, can we talk about Carpenter's new rendition of the theme? Yeah. Which is just amazing. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's got enough of the original that you recognize it, but it's got this underlying new like kind of bass line. Well, people that... forget that bass line was in the original. A lot of times. You're making that up. No. If you go back and rewatch <laughs> the original credits... Or if you, even if you just listen to it, actually it's better. If you okay. find the original theme song and just listen to it without any visuals, you'll hear that bump. The way and and honestly, it wasn't until recently I was like, "What you, are you playing a remix?" Or like, "No, nah, dude, this one's straight off the." And so, but yeah, um, yeah, the opening credits were incredible. Him and his son did an amazing job. The soundtrack. I mean, we just talked about that yeah, for a whole second. The score is amazing. The score is amazing. And the way that, you know, it was way different where it needed to be different. It was classic where it needed to be classic. Like, um, there's a song called Michael Stalks Allison with that guitar. Like, right after he put Little Buddy up on the fence, there's that guitar riff. And it's just like, whoa, this is like yeah. something else. But there was so much familiarity that I thought it was one of the best. It It does the trick of it feels new, but at the same time... The same thing you loved, which is what every sequel wants to be, which is impossible to do. It, it, it's it's everything you loved, but it's new somehow again. 
I think that one of the things, like, we're entering an era of filmmaking with these sequels slash requels or whatever they're the going to call The legacy sequel. The legacy sequel. These movies are made by people who love the originals as much as every fanboy at any horror convention you'd find. There was a time, especially in the mid-80s, they grabbed freaking Joe Blow from Sweden to make this damn movie who has never seen any of the freaking movies. And that's who they hired to be the director of damn Halloween 5. Like, are you kidding me? This dude literally has seen part of Halloween 3 on, on freaking USA, and you're going to hire him to do the job. Like, what, what we have now, and it's so, it's so clear, is people who love these movies. And they appreciate the characters. They appreciate, you know, what made them so good. And they're able to apply that because they're also still modern audiences. And yeah. they know what the modern audience wants. And I think that probably, you know, starting with Kevin Williamson with Scream, he was a huge fanboy, and that's why it worked, because he had that love and that passion, and that's who's making these movies these days. And, you know, it's, and they're working with, you know, John Carpenter, you know, he's freaking on set, you know. I can't imagine, uh, I forget the name of the producers, Um, um, damn it. I can't think of names now. Eastbound and Down and his, his writing buddy. Who's Danny, uh, Danny, Danny, come on. I don't know. Danny. Two and a half pages of notes and I can't write down people's names. Trail? I no. I've been doing a Buffy rewatch. So there's a guy named Bu- Ma- Danny on there. That's Ma- not it. Masters. Danny Masters. Danny Masterson's not it. I think he's in jail. Um, Danny. McBride. McBride. And his writing partner. It's right there. That's going with that. Right there. That was your next one. I That's can my tell. next one. David Gordon Green. Yes. Uh, there we go. I can't imagine being those guys having to go to Carpenter and say, "We've got an idea for a sequel. What do you think?" And then, based on that, having to go talk Jamie Lee Curtis and, "Hey, we know you've done this before," because her whole stipulation for being in Resurrection was, "Kill me off. I want to be done." Yeah. Hey, you've got an idea. <laughs> just hear us out. It's a daunting task. Yeah, uh, I can't imagine having to go in and just like, you know, sell them on this movie, but thank God they did. And there was so much backlash when they announced Danny McBride doing it, because again, Danny McBride was best known for being a comedian. Um, the movie in large part works. Uh, there's a few things that maybe don't so much. Um, Dr. Sartain. The New Loomis, which is what they Lori literally calls him at 1.0. You're the New Loomis. He was he was a vehicle, is what he was. Yeah. He had some pretty cool like his his vibe was kind of ominous and cool. He's an interesting idea because the whole thing of of the eighteen movie is flipping everything. Mm-hmm. So we get a doctor who's obsessed with Michael the same way Loomis was, but the difference is Loomis wanted to lock him up and throw away the key. Sartain, to use his own words, wants to see Michael in the wild. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. That's an in- but it. That twist comes so late, and then he gets killed so soon after, it's almost like, why bother? If we'd seen him on the bus, because it's conjectured that he caused the bus accident with freedom, if we'd seen that, and then from that point on, knowing that Sartain is playing the victim, but really he's helping Michael, that might have been something. Uh, again, it's an interesting idea, but that twist comes so late, so far out of left field, and then he dies so quickly after it kind of doesn't really run anywhere. Well, I think, so to, uh, to me, what he was there for, his sole purpose, was to A, be ominous, to B, be Loomis-esque, 
But ultimately, I feel like they wrote themselves into a corner when, let's put Lori out in the middle of nowhere. We got all this action going on in town. We need to get Michael from town to Lori. How do we do that? Um, well, we can have this crazy dude want to drive him out there so he can watch him face off like freaking celebrity deathmatch, like I guess. <laughs> and and like to me, that was kind of one of the looser parts of the of the story. It's like I don't know how we get these two together now. Well, uh, okay, we'll have to figure this out. But I think overall, he had some, you know, kind of a creepy vibe. He there were some cool lines that he had and stuff like that. Well, I, I I think I wouldn't have liked it if if we had seen at the beginning. The him causing the bus crash. And, I agree. And I knowing and, and knowing from the beginning that he is not exactly what he claims to be, I don't think I would have liked that. But I think what they w- would have worked better is when the twist does happen. If we'd have flashed back to a couple of key points like the bus scene, and we show him actively working against, just enough to establish him a little bit more and give him a little more screen time in that before we cut back to his, his wrap up, the killing of him. I think that may have worked better. So you, want, you want to pull a bad time with the El Royale? Yes. Okay. That was a great movie. Yes, it was. Um, All the way up to the third act, but that's a different show. <laughs> One of the, I don't know, maybe my per, it's just my personal preference. I'm not a huge fan of flashbacks, just because I feel like they're too, doing too much showing than telling. I like that I don't know that he caused the bus crash. It's like... It's like you think about it later after you've watched the movie. It's like, I'll bet that some bitch did that. And it's like, to me, I... I I like that, but that's just personal preference, really. Um, like they're gonna. I have- don't mind. I don't mind the twist. My problem is he dies so soon after. It's sort of like, and, and I don't. I don't want to go down a whole other well with this, but Dark Knight Rises, where we find out Marion Cotillard is really Nissa Al or not, uh, Talia Al Ghul, but we find that out like. <laughs> two minutes before she dies. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, that has no impact now because she's dead now. So yeah. what did that matter to anything? It is. It yeah. is interesting. I totally. I mean, I totally know what you're saying. It's it's an interesting concept that that's just tossed up in the air, and it's like you step away and let it fall down. And this movie does introduce characters and then forget about them. The mm-hmm. boyfriend. They have a fight. He runs off. We never see the boyfriend again. The whole movie. We'll see so, again. I, I know. I know. But. Again, I, you have to judge a movie on the movie, not there's a sequel coming, maybe it'll go somewhere. If you're going to do that, if you're going to have characters just disappear, leave Sartain alive. He helps Michael get there, he, he helps Michael find Lori, and then he disappears. Or maybe we get a you know, shot of him watching what happens and the fire starts and he goes, oh shit, and drives off. Something. You could have left him alive and done something with that character instead he, of killing him off just as he's getting interesting. He should have at least been alive during the fight. Yes. Celebrity Deathmatch. Michael versus Lori. <laughs> yes. He would have been the Judge Mills Lane of the movie. Which one's that? The claymation guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, 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 the ref in Celebrity Deathmatch. Yes. The claymation guy? Yeah. Yes. I didn't know he had a name. That's because he's, he's based on a real person. Oh. Judge Mills Lane? You don't know Judge Mills Lane. Anyway. So, uh, numbers speak volumes and Halloween. So, first of all, let me go back for So, Halloween, the original was made for $325,000. Thousand, not million, thousand. $325,000 had a domestic gross of $47 million. Bam. And that's 1978 money. Halloween 2018, uh, produced in conjunction with Bloomhouse, my boys. Uh, $10 million budget. Big for Bloomhouse, small for a movie of this size. $255 million worldwide gross. Bam. Somebody which put means that in their one Tell thing... Me that. 
I flipped the page, and we are now on what's coming. Sequels, boys. He did it dramatically, too. You guys missed it. It was great. So good. Uh, a movie doesn't make that much money on that little budget and not try to repeat it. So we are getting not one, but two sequels that I'm going to lump together because for all practical reasons, it's one movie in two parts. We are getting Halloween Kills, um, October 16, 2020. Oh, wait. Sorry. No, that didn't happen. Wah, no, my wah, bad. Wah. Sorry. Corona happened. Uh, <laughs> we're getting it October 15, 2021. Fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> it was shot in conjunction at the same time with what will be the third movie, or fourth movie, of this setting, uh, which is Halloween Ends, which is currently, fingers crossed, scheduled for October 14th, 2022. I'm going to speak about them in the same uh, breath as we talk about this, because, again, they were shot back-to-back, um, and everything we're going to say about Halloween Kills kind of applies to Halloween Ends, because we don't really know a whole lot. So, here's what we do know. Uh, the director, writer, producers are returning from the 2018. Jamie Lee Curtis and Nick Castle are back as Lori and Michael, respectively. Nick Castle's got a cameo, just like he did in this one. James okay. Jude Courtney plays Michael. Okay. I know him. <laughs> Your best friends? I know him. Are you best friends with Anthony Michael Hall, who's coming to play Tommy Doyle? No, but I was going to know him. Let's Corona go. happened. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, they did approach Paul Rudd to reprise his role as Tommy Doyle. Unfortunately, he was busy shooting another movie, Ghost Smashers Afterworld. Never heard of it. Howard, where did you get that information? IMDb. Right, he was, he was, I don't, I don't know. So this movie started shooting September of 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was apparently already locked into shooting Ghostbusters Afterlife and wasn't available to come beyond production for this. But why would they approach him for Tommy Doyle? That makes zero sense. Didn't he play Tommy in... In Halloween 6, which has been fully retconned. Right, but we're doing this for the fans. Halloween 6 has been retconned twice. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Uh, because we're doing the same reason we had the Silver Shamrock masks pop up in 2018, because it's for the fans. Mm, He must have a small role. Maybe it's an apology for Paul Rudd saying, hey, we know you gave it your all, that movie didn't do so well, so try it again. That sounds weird to me. Look, sometimes you you have to play Jonah Hex so that you can become Thanos. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Sometimes you get a movie because it's like, hey, damn, or bad, try it again. (laughs) I'm interested. We'll give you another shot. That's interesting. Sometimes you have to sit through Sylvester Stallone so you can get Carl Orban. It's a Judge Dredd reference. Oh, I see. Uh, sorry. Anthony Michael Hall is playing Tommy Doyle. Uh, we're also getting the return of not only characters but actors from the original Halloween. So we're getting uh, Lori, obviously, uh, Lonnie, mm-hmm. uh, Tommy Doyle, Sheriff Brackett, Marion Chambers, Lindsay Wallace, all returning from the first movie. Uh, a lot of them the actors are returning to. Uh, we're getting the return of Charles Cyphers as the sheriff, Kylie R- Richards. I can't read my own hand anyway. Uh, as Lindsay Wallace, Nancy Stevens as Marion Chambers. So not only are we getting characters from the first movie coming back, we're getting actors from the first movie coming back to these roles, and that's fucking awesome. Kyle Richards. Is it Kyle? Oh, it was Kylie. Kyle. But it's a girl. I know. Okay. <laughs> She's on the Real Housewives of L.A. She's also in The Car. She's she also. is. Yeah. Okay. She's the older sister in the car. All right. There you go. Thanks, Danny. Who <laughs> will never listen to this to hear a shout out. Yep. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> do you got anything, Scott Cox? 
I thought he was going to say something. Oh, about the stuff that's coming? About, were you done? I mean, I got more, but we can wait. Well, I mean, you know, I don't know what else I could say. There's a movie being made, and it's going to have all those people in it. <laughs> Nailed it. This uh, is, I mean, this is I the mean, what we know. So here's, so here's so the rest is going to be wild speculation. Here's a couple of things that yeah. that I think are very interesting is is a that they got uh, they got all these people back, it's including you know um, Nancy Stevens and and just I think that's super interesting. I think it's one of those things that's a um, major shout out to the fanboys. Uh, except poor Brian Andrews. Poor Brian Andrews played Tommy Doyle in Halloween Part One. You'll notice he's not on your cast list. He, Did he do any acting after Halloween one? I don't believe so. He's, that might be why. He's kind of a character, like like it, as far as like think about an eccentric character who was a child actor in the seventies who ended up being in a huge movie. Uh, there's another one I can think of, but uh, I'm not gonna go there. But um, yeah, so I just kind of feel bad for that guy. But I think they so they dropped a tiny little teaser um, when for Lonnie. No, for uh, for kills it was okay. because of course it was supposed to be out this year. Right, and everything got pushed back in the world. Oh yeah, the actual teaser. Yeah, and yeah. so it was either the day or the day before it was it was supposed to come out. There was a tiny little teaser that was just it 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 sets this tone that's super interesting. I think, um, and I you know I think it's going to be a lot of continuation of the first one. Um, it looks like it's set on the same exact night. Like it looks like this one's going to start minutes after yeah. the first one ended, which is what they did with Halloween Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also, from behind the scenes stuff, at some point there's going to be characters in a hospital, so maybe this is a little bit of Halloween Two getting worked back in. Um, there's going to be worked with this one for the first you know, for Halloween One. Why not go two? There's there's going to be at least one flashback scene. We've seen. So we we have, we've cast a young Michael. There's a young Michael, and then there's a uh, there's a couple of shots floating around of the unweathered mask, which we still got to get to that mask discussion. Don't so, let me don't let me not get that. Oh one. oh, don't worry. Um, so yeah, the flashbacks for Michael are for 1978. So we're flashing back to first movie so Michael, first not movie. little kid Michael. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, at least that we know of. Again, there might be a whole fucking section where it sits uh, Loomis from behind using audio recordings from the first movie and I, I, I don't know I don't know we haven't seen the movie so I don't know uh, but we're at least getting flashbacks to 78 I don't know if we're going to go further back in time than that here's an interesting little okay. bit about audio of Loomis is there's no uh, existing copy of just the dialogue that exists from Halloween 1 1978 there's only mixes with the music and everything in it so wherever those audio tapes are they're long gone so that's why in right. H2O they had to hire somebody to redo the lines for the opening credits because there's no copy that exists without the soundtrack. We can't it. fix that. You would think with it's modern 2020. Technology. Come on now, that's somebody true. get on that. I, I can't vouch for that one way or the other. Um, uh, what I find interesting about so many characters in the original coming back um, is what makes a great sequel is you take what worked about the first movie and you expand on it. So what worked about 18 was seeing Lori dealing with the aftermath of the events of the first film and how that's shaped and created her life. She wasn't the only person involved with that night. She wasn't the only survivor from that night. So what I love about, again, this is wild conjecture, uh, based on the casting. Thought we had this point. So it looks like 2 is going to be more about, and by extension 3, because we're doing two movies, how not just Lori, but the entire town of Haddonfield 
has dealt with the last 40 years and how the everyone else whose life was touched by Michael that night, how they moved on and dealt with it. And at some point, I'm assuming they're all going to come together because Michael's still out there. Um, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's, again, take what worked about the first one, extend it out. Yeah, there's a, there's a shot that I've seen of uh, Tommy and Lindsay and maybe somebody else, I can't remember. Uh, they're sitting in a bar or something. They're like watching TV, so it's very interesting that they're together. There were at least three characters from the original that I saw in this picture, so it could be that they come together every Halloween and deal with it or something. I don't know, but mm-hmm. th- th- of course, we're all doing conjecture at this point. It's all we have. But um, yeah, I thought that was I thought that was pretty interesting. And I was going to say something else. I forgot. I must. Um, My my only head-scratch moment is that all sounds cool. Uh, I love what the direction it looks like we're going in. Um, I I love that we're we're dealing with more of the fallout of everything and and bringing back all these characters. What worries me a little bit is, is that enough to stretch two movies? That will be interesting. My concern is they're going to... What I loved about the first movie... uh, Okay, the the first... What I loved about 18. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Uh, is it didn't feel the need to add on anything. It took the original movie as this has happened, and it drew things out to their conclusion. It didn't really, it didn't add anything to the story. It didn't add in a weird cult angle. It didn't add in a you're my sister angle. It, it didn't, it didn't add more to the mythology. It just extended out what was already there. Can we get two more movies without adding shit to the mythology? So I think that what what this movie did is it didn't deal with Michael as much as it did with Laurie, which is the human person character that we can all understand. You know, we can think about what makes Michael do what he does, but nobody knows that, especially not in these movies. And I don't feel like they're going to change that. I feel like we're going to have more of this. Now, Michael, you know... We know that he got out of the basement somehow because we see that shot of the stairwell where the last time we see him and there's nothing there. And obviously he got out because he's. we got two more movies. But I don't feel like they're going to do a whole lot to try to explain away Michael because, I, I mean, even John Carpenter said that he didn't just he just didn't know what else to do when he was writing Halloween 2. And so that's why he threw the sister angle in there. And so I don't feel like we're going to get to these movies where they're going to explain away his motivation. And so I think that we're probably still going to deal with the real characters that we can understand and how they deal with this force of evil. And I think you're absolutely right uh, when you say that we're going to deal with how each person was impacted by this event. Because obviously different people that were there impacted in different ways, you know. Um, the nurse was attacked, um, Brackett lost his daughter, um, you know, the kids were there when, when he was literally right there in the house with them, um, and so I think we're probably going to get more characters, but what I think is interesting is that we, you know, it does seem, obviously it takes place right at the same night, like, how much can we figure out about these characters if it all takes place in one night, what I think might happen, I don't know, is we're going to get a cliffhanger at the end of Halloween Kills. Oh, I can guarantee that. And then, as far as, you know, whatever's going to happen, but I think that 
um, Halloween Ends is probably going to start off more like a year later or something. You know okay. what I mean? Like I feel like jump. there's going to be a time jump between Ends and Kills. And, you know, obviously, I don't think we're going to get two movies out of one freaking Halloween night. But, obviously, we're going to get at least half of one movie out of at least some portion. There's another shot. I don't know if you remember the nurse from 18 where she's, like, getting in the car. And there, there's, there's a, a black family. And, like, the, the dad forgets his keys. And the nurse is, like, watching him walk up. And you're like, I don't know. He, he, I don't know if you remember that. It was I in don't. his little... It was in the um, the uh, steady cam sequence where we follow him around. Okay. Um but we see her again. He's like attacking her. Um, okay. So I I don't know. It'll be super interesting to see what direction they go. I wish I would have seen it by now. But supposedly, yeah. uh, according to the, the the writers, when they originally pitched the idea for Halloween twenty eighteen, they pitched it as two movies shot together. Mm. And then basically the money was like, mm, let's try one and see if it works, and then maybe we'll go for two. So I take a little comfort in the fact that. If it's two stories, it's because we had more story to tell, and that it was always intended to be there's more story to tell. Um, so hopefully they didn't shoot their whole wad with the first one, and now we're just like you know tacking things on. Um, yeah, and so, hopefully we can make this story interesting and compelling without adding in something else we didn't. You know, I hope the flashbacks don't go back and show the you know. Michael, when he was 12, discovered the Cult of Thorn, or, you know, some shit, you know, don't add something that retroactively changes everything. That's my my, my concern, is is to, to get two movies, to get three hours at least out of this. I hope we don't add crap like that, because I think that's what ruined and watered the franchise down over the years, is we kept adding and adding and adding and adding, and at a point you're like, we don't know, this is an unwielding mess, what do we do? Reboot it. Yeah. That's why I'm always very iffy about flashbacks. And I think it's because some of my favorite movies haven't really done flashbacks a whole lot. I mean, especially Slashers is, you know... Friday, there weren't, you know, a whole lot of flashbacks. We tell the story, you know... Uh, Scream, there's no flashbacks. We tell the story. Halloween, no flashbacks. We tell the story. And I'm, I'm always just kind of like, what's the flashbacks going to hold? What was there that you didn't tell me that you feel like now I need to know? Exactly. And what are you adding? Exactly what you said. So I'm always kind of iffy about flashbacks. I think we're going to find out that the entire thing is generated by, uh, you know, video games. That's where it comes from. Uh, young Michael Myers gets his first Pong game, and that's it. He's done. It's, it's, he played it's Pong. and The downfall of society, there's no question. Yeah. yeah. Pong was just way too violent for him. Yeah. It's an so aggressive he, game. I went a whole different direction when you said video games. Sounds like, oh, so really Michael Myers is in a coma in the future, and it's all uh, in his head, and that's how we get to uh, part whatever we're at, uh, Michael Myers in space. There you go. Michael Myers in space. Because Bam. that brings us to our final topic, which is what we want to see. Uh, I don't really want to see, but for the part of this joke, I want to see Michael Myers in space. <laughs> it worked for Jason. It worked for Leprechaun. No, it didn't. Those are terrible. Worked for uh, Hellraiser. <laughs> Hellraiser went to space. Hellraiser. Went I to tried space. that after part two. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's end this with: awful. What do we want to see from the Halloween franchise? Uh, I think it's in good hands for now. Uh, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised with 18. I'm happy to see them continue on. Uh, oh, one last thing. So Jason Bloom did recently say it's not getting pushed back again. If if they can't make it to theaters by that date, it, it'll be I'm assuming on streaming. Uh, but he's definitely said. Hold on, I have a quote to read because I'm responsible. 
If this is, uh, so someone asked him, uh, uh, you know, with with Corona, uh, he said, uh, if this is still going on next Halloween, no, we're not holding it. Halloween Kills is coming out next October, come hell or high water. Vaccine or no vaccine, it is coming out. That is from Jason Bloom uh, Bloomhouse on Cinema Blend, um, like a month ago. There you go. What do I want to see from Halloween? Here's what I want to see from Halloween. Post Halloween Kills. We talking about in those movies? Or are we talking about after Halloween? Talk about whatever, man. Okay. So we talk about Halloween aside, Kills. Yeah. Yeah. So. Or yeah. yeah. So the, we talk about those two movies, and all we can do is speculate at this point. Honestly, I think that the character of Michael Myers, because he's become so associated with the holiday of Halloween. And because he's such a staple in, you know, pop culture. Um, and, and honestly, I, I do think that there's a big big tie to the holiday Halloween. It seems strange to say, but there's a reason we haven't had a Jason movie in 11 years. Well, there's that legal battle. <laughs> there's a very that whole specific thing. reason. There is a very specific reason. But, you know, Jason and Freddy are just as iconic as Michael Myers, but, but we find ourselves coming back to Michael Myers more often. I don't know if it's just a rights thing or what. But anyway... I think that after Halloween Kills, I'd like to see him take take a pretty significant break. You know, if yeah. if after Halloween Kills, there's not another Halloween movie for six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, I think I'd be okay with that. Honestly, I think yeah. that that you know, especially because this is a concise story. Obviously, it's called freaking Halloween Ends. Like that's the name of the movie. Mm-hmm. This is the end of this Michael Myers run. Okay, and we've done this for. I always have to count them up. This is going to be 12 movies. All right? We've done all kinds of fun things with Michael Myers. Um, <laughs> gone to fun places with our buddy Mike. We've gone to some weird places. Yes. Uh, and, yeah. you know, and if we waited another 10 years for a new Halloween movie to take the character, take the idea, because ultimately he is iconic, and the mask, the the idea of this this faceless stalker killing people on Halloween night is going to be around timeless. for a long time. Yeah. It's a very timeless idea. And I mean, the, the idea or the, you know, what we do with the holiday of Halloween has been around for thousands of years and, and it's going to be around forever. Honestly, you know, people are always going to celebrate Halloween and it will as long as I'm still alive. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think a long break from Halloween and from Michael Myers would be just fine. Now that's that's assuming that I'm satisfied at the end of Halloween Ends. Fair enough. <laughs> if I get to the end no. of that movie, I'm like, that was bullshit. I'm going to go make one yep. of my own. Like, <laughs> screw it. Like, that could happen to That's totally, totally legit. Uh, I'm the same way. I feel like you don't call a movie Halloween Ends unless you have a good ending. Yeah. And, and hopefully we're all, as fans, satisfied about the ending of it. Yeah. If no one else has anything, I have a pitch. Okay. Go for it. Okay. So, going directly off what you just said which I wholeheartedly agree with. I hope these next two movies, Kills and Ends, are great, and that we, we finally get you know, closure and feel like, okay, that's the end of Michael Myers' story. Great. Assuming that happens. Assuming that makes money. And the studio comes around and says, we want more. He knows where I'm going. <laughs> Remake gonna, Season of the Witch. Not, not going to work. Yep. Oh. You drop Halloween out of it. Well, you can do that now. Shut up. You drop Halloween out of it. <laughs> the season of the witch. 
uh, some kind of subtitle because I fucking hate when sequels made 20 years later have the same title of the original movie, Glory Halloween. Um, I think the concept of Season of the Witch works better now than it did when it was made. Because technology is so much more advanced and it's so much more prevalent in every part of our lives now. Uh, the idea oh. of, of selling kids a Halloween mask... It'd be a phone app. Well, the idea of, of selling kids a Halloween mask with a computer chip inside of it... A little far-fetched for 1980, whatever it was. Uh, 2020, whatever it is. No, that's totally plausible, sure. Those the kyber crystals from my lightsaber has an RFID chip inside that. We can do anything. The 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 little uh, Skylanders toys that were all the rage a few years ago. There's RFID chips in those. There's chips in everything now. It's true. Uh, like that idea, I think makes it has a lot more uh, credibility to it now than it did then. I think you could take the core idea of season of the witch and and redo it for modern audiences. And, and really give that movie... I always say remake movies that didn't work the first time. And as much as I love Season of the Witch, I think it, 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 there's enough cool ideas there. You could try it again for modern audiences and it would work. Yeah, I totally agree. It's I a also, fantastic idea. I uh, also insist you do it soon because you have to bring back Tom Atkins uh, as the leader of the cult. I fucking love Tom Atkins, dude. He is such a fantastic... If you, I, I, rewatch, I actually watch that one in sequence. I never do that. Usually I come back. <laughs> usually I come back. Well, to yeah, because it's off in left field doing yeah, its own thing. Yeah. So usually I finish Michael Myers, come back to season of Witch. But he's so and, and he's this way in every movie, dude. Like if you watch him in the fog, literally we see him. <laughs> he's the same character. He picks up <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis, and the next shot they're, they're in bed, bed together. together. Yes, you can't resist Tom Atkins. You can't. It, it, <laughs> He's so awesome, What I love, there's a trivia I learned about Halloween 3 um, from doing a rewatch. Um, the scene in Halloween 3 where Tom Atkins and, I forget her name, the, the love interest, uh, end up in the town where the mass factory is and they go into the hotel room. And as they're going, and so we get to the hotel, we meet a bunch of other characters. The, the lady who's there who's messing with the chip and it breaks her mask, uh, who's like in the cabin next door while they're having sex. Tom Atkins, real wife. Nice. That's awesome. Because <laughs> when you're Tom Atkins, you're bringing your wife to set and introduce her to the 20-something-year-old actress you're about to get naked with in the next scene. Tom Atkins And no me one hope, gets man. mad because you're Tom Atkins. He gives me hope. Like, he, <laughs> if I can be one quarter or one-eighth as cool as Tom Atkins, I'm going to be just fine out yeah. here in the world. But I may or may not have achieved that, but I'm, I'm yeah. trying. You know, I'm trying. So I'd like to revisit something real okay. quick. Uh, yes. Just... just that was said earlier. Okay. Just because he brought it up. Uh oh. I, I, okay. I wouldn't bring this up. But I'm scared. He broached now. it. I'm scared so, now. So, so when you make your Halloween movie, uh, am I going to get to see this one? Maybe. Oh! Is, is, is this one actually going to get. Shots fired. Maybe, Scott Cox. I'm just, just asking. Maybe. If you, if you wow. bring the game like you did last time, wow. then I will let you see it this time, okay? To borrow Grit's line, we was all just having a good time. <laughs> we was all just having a good time, Scott Cox. You have to make it real ugly like that. Uh, I think that's a fantastic idea. And there, these days, it seems like within the last 10 or 15 years, there's been this flurry of movies set on Halloween. They don't have anything to do with Michael Myers, obviously. And you've got some fantastic ones, like, uh, of course, Trick or Treat is, like, one of the biggest ones, because you created a whole new icon for the holiday yeah. of Sam, which is fantastic. And um, uh, Terrifier, I'm pretty sure it was set on Halloween. Have you seen that one? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't like that one. 
I've said my piece. Oh, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. I didn't think it was bad, but you introduced a new horror icon in Art the Clown. You know, for you know, so for love it or hate it, that's one of those exploitation throwback movies. Yeah. Um, but I guess the first one introduced him was All Hallows Eve. So anyway, you've got yeah. all these movies that are that are coming out, some good, some bad, of you know Halloween. The holiday-themed movies. So, yeah, I think we're primed for a freaking Season of the Witch remake, dude. And what I love about the idea behind what led us to Season of the Witch was, okay, we want to extend the Halloween brand but go away from Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. There is So they, they jump back into, kind of, uh, the lore uh, and history of the Halloween holiday. Mm-hmm. And there's so much to mine there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, again, I love Season of the Witch kind of a hot mess it's we're gonna sell halloween masks with computer chips because we're a modern day coven of witches who stole stonehenge for reasons uh because it's got there's got chips of stonehenge in the chips right yeah that's why because reasons well, Why Stonehenge is suddenly going to make That shit gets hype every Halloween, yeah. don't you Clearly. know? Clearly. Yeah, okay, okay, anyway, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is the original season of The Witch, very convoluted, kind of weird. It kind of deals with modern covens and, and, and witchcraft mixed with technology. You can argue if it succeeds in that or not. But I think that there's enough there to mine a good story out of that. There's enough in the history of All Hallows' Eve and Sal Wayne and all that shit. There's you you could mine movies for the next five, eight, ten years with elements of that. Trick or treat, what I love about that movie is is every story is in some way based on an element of folklore and legend and urban myths derived from the Halloween holiday. Like don't take your jack lanterns down before uh, the next morning. Stuff like that. There's there's plenty of things you could you could mine from that to have yeah, you know, again, the original idea was a new Halloween movie every year, but it's an anthology series, so you know different stories. I think that would work awesome, uh, but I think we all agree if if Halloween ends is what we want it to be, then that should be the end of Michael Myers for eight to ten years and then reboot it again. Yep, because that's what Hollywood that. does. Yeah, yeah, and you know, if you get another director who loves it, uh, you know, like like these filmmakers do, then you can you know could be on to something. We'll see. Hmm. Well, you got Scott Cox. I'm jiggy with it. Right on. All well, right. then, can I do my mask? Real our quick? last bit. We can't end with this. I called him the the maestro of the Michael Myers mask. Yeah. Uh, John Colin Gridden is going to rank every Halloween mask. Go. Okay. So obviously, well, now I feel like I got to do it super fast. Are we have some time. Here? <laughs> well, well, hang on. I, okay. I, you're going to rank them, so I'm a little curious. Are we ranking them by what, what, what's our criteria? Quality of the mask, scariness of the mask? Oh, I'll get into what, it. Okay, I'm just checking. I'll, I'll go into the whole thing. I'll give you a freaking history on each one. I'll hey, do it. Shit. as long as you bring in, you know, the William Shatner, Captain Kirk, Star Trek connection. Oh, I'm, no I'm question. Going, you know. No question. And I don't think, I don't know how many people know that. People act shocked. To me, I've been looking at masks for 20 years. You know, on these Halloween masks. And, um, there, so the original mask was a Captain Kirk mask made by Don Post Studios starting in 1975. They, uh, it had sideburns on it, it had little tiny squinty eye holes. And, uh, you know, obviously it had the hair. And so the sideburns were pulled off of the, the mask and the eye holes were cut into a bigger eye shape. And, um, it was spray painted white, literally with just spray paint. Um, there was no Hollywood effects artist out here. There was no shadowing. There was nothing that, that you would see in a Michael Myers that masked this day. And then they did 
the the Shatner had either blonde or dirty blonde, depending on what hair run they got that week. Um, so it was like dirty blonde hair, and they spray painted it with uh, black streaks to you know kind of darken it up. Streaking tip was what it was called, I think. And uh, so that was it. That was Michael Myers' mask, and um, so that was the mask in the first one. Uh, Tommy Lee Wallace said, "Oh, and we goofed the hair up a little bit." And he's kind of funny. He cracks me. every time I listen <laughs> to him talking. Like he's he's just a funny listen to listen to. So they, so they goofed the hair up a little bit, and uh, so that was a mask for the first movie and the second movie. A lot of people don't realize that because the mask takes on very different shapes and facial features based on who's wearing it. Literally, the shape of your head can change the entire look of the mask. Um, so Nick Castle, who was Michael Myers in the first one, first of all, he had a big old head of hair, big poofy head of like curly hair. So that is going to affect the shape of the mask. And then his face is longer. He has kind of an elongated face. So if you see some behind the scenes shot, you can see that the mask is stretched down pretty significantly on his face. And so that's what gave us a shot. There's one, you don't get a whole lot of super good straight on shots of, Michael Myers mask in the first movie. They get better, of course, towards the end of, end of the movie. You get more shots, but um, there's a shot where he's walking down the hallway, and there's this kind of like lingering shot on him. That's one of the more famous scenes. Obviously, the scene with the phone, you get a pretty good look at it. Um, but then Tommy Lee Wallace, who was the production designer, wore the mask several times too. Um, whenever he's busting through the door, uh, he's wearing the mask. Whenever he's busting through the closet, anytime. There had to be, like, a physical prop interaction. He knew how that closet was built, so he knew which boards to knock out, so that's when Tommy Lee Wallace was marrying it. But it changes shape again, too. Um, so, yeah, I don't have to go into this for all of them, but that's obviously the pinnacle of, of Michael Myers is the shape. And it got dirtier as it went because the more they would handle the hair, they'd get that spray paint on different parts of the mask, and the paint would start to uh, fade right here on the chin where he's pulling it down, so... By the end of the movie, the mask looked different than it did, you know, the first day on set. But that's that's Michael Myers right there. There's no question. In part two, the same mask gets worn by a different actor. who's a stuntman, Dick Warlock. Now, pause. Do you mean literally the same mask from the first movie was reused, or they took the same style of mask and made more? You mean the exact same mask? The exact same mask. Okay. Pulled, out of, pulled out of storage. There's different stories about where it was kept. Nick Castle had it in one story, and they were like, can we borrow it? And he's like, yeah, give it back. And they're like, I'm getting that back. <laughs> so Dick Warlock took it at the end of the first movie, or at the end of the second movie. but Or Deborah Hill had it. One of those two had it. Friend of the show, Dick Warlock. Uh, is he now? Yeah. The Dick Warlock. We had a whole interview with him. It was awesome. That's pretty cool. And by we, I mean the old show. Oh, you assholes yeah. didn't call me, but that's fine. Um, anyway, uh, his head is more like triangular shaped almost. Like it's wider at the top and then it comes down on the chin. So that's why the exact same mask looks so drastically different because of the head shape. It's just crazy how much it, sh- it changed it. I don't love the way it looks in part two on Dick Warlock's head. Um, so my favorite mask... So I'm gonna use I'm gonna do movies, not specific masks. That would help keep it simple, yes. right? Um, so the mask in part three, the mask in part three. <laughs> I love those masks. I love all three of them. Happy, happy, uh, so let's just go in order. My favorite. Okay. My favorite is obviously the first one. Okay. Uh, my second favorite is gonna be the AT mask, which was of course in canon supposed to be the same mask from the first one. So, but like I said. You know, 
Whenever you look at the first one in real life, in natural daylight, you're not seeing what you're seeing on screen, which is created by lighting and shadows and everything else. So they had to sculpt all those fun things in. Like, the cheekbones are very specific on, on the masks. And so they sculpted all that in. They basically sculpted in all the shadows. And then they painted in all the shadows. And then it's got the, you know, all the cracking and weathering. And I just, you know, it, it's not the same, but if it's Michael Myers, no question. Um, then my third favorite mask is going to be from Part 6. Um, again, they sculpted in all of the shadows and everything. It's got kind of a statuesque look to it. It's very, uh, I don't know, it's just kind of a very different look, but it's definitely Michael Myers. Um, after six would probably be, then I'd probably put the mask on Dick Warlock's head. I'd, I'd probably put that part two mask after part six. Um, I think after that would be H2O's mask made by Stan Winston. Uh, it was originally made by K&B. If you watch H2O, their mask situation is a freaking mess. There are, there are literally shot by shot different masks used. Drastically different masks. Are there two too. different studios used for the mask? Yeah, so K&B effects did the effects. Okay. Um, so Steve Miner wanted literally nothing. He wanted no shadows. He wanted no lips. He wanted no forehead wrinkles. He wanted nothing on this mask. Okay. So you look at it, it's it's a blank slate. Just nothing. And um, and it didn't work. Jamie Lee Curtis hated it. She hated the way the mask looked the first time. Um, the opening scene, they actually used one of the Part 6 masks because they just had it around, I guess. And then so they got... The K&B do Part 6? Uh, no. John Carl... Beekler did part six. Okay. And then, um, so yeah, so they changed it, and basically the one you see the most exposure of is the Stan Winston mask. That's the one I like. It's, I don't know, I just, I liked it. So I have to ask them. So Stan Winston, if you don't know the name, you know his work. He's the guy who did all the practical uh, dinosaurs for Jurassic Park. He did uh, Terminator. He did Aliens, the Queen Alien, and all the suits for that. You've seen his movies if you don't know his name. How the hell did he get involved with Halloween? I have no idea. Okay. I don't know the backstory there. But I just know... So K&B did the effects, but they brought Stan Winston to do the mask? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. K&B did the effects, and then they did the, the first mask, and Jalen immediately hated it. Test audiences hated it. Everybody hated it. Okay. They couldn't go back and reshoot everything. They sure couldn't reshoot, you know, what they needed to with Jamie Lee Curtis. So, uh, apparently, H2O was just a big cluster mess of, of a production. Um, <laughs> and then... Uh, this is this is where it gets into the tough category because basically we're down between Resurrection and then Rob Zombie. Okay, so we've got your top four, top yeah. five. Yeah. Give us your bottom, your worst mask. The worst mask out of all the masks was, damn, dude, this is hard. I know. I'm going to go with the worst mask is part four. Okay. Which is a tragedy because the base mask were Kirk masks sent to him from Don Post Studios. But whoever, the guy that was working on the masks had no idea how to make them look like Michael Myers. He had no idea what to do. He literally spray painted them white. He cut jagged, nasty ass eye holes out of it. And he left the sideburns on it. And and that was his version of the mask. Now, if he literally, 
And I can say this because I've done it. I could make a, a blank mask look better or more like Michael Myers than this dude did. Like, simple things, like ripping the sideburns off is going to help. Coloring some freaking lips on would help. But, and, and you know, people love, people got their masks that they love. And, and you know, people love the Part 4 mask. I think it's atrocious. I think it makes him not scary. I think he looks goofy as shit. And I guess it was between 4 and 5 that have the worst mask, but at least 5 is something. Part 5, Nick, Greg Nicotero from Walking Dead fame. Mm-hmm. Well, wasn't he also a founder of KNB? Isn't he the N in yeah, KNB? Yeah, So okay. KNB did the effects for part five. And so literally Nicotero used his life cast and cast the Michael Myers mask on top, or, or sculpted this new Myers mask on top of it using influences from his own face. Jackass. So, <laughs> like, who in the hell do you think you are to where you think your face needs to be the basis of Michael Myers? Don't hold back, not tell us how you're You're dead ass wrong, bro. <laughs> And so you can go sit in the car with uh, with Rob Zombie and think about what you did. Exactly. <laughs> and so five sucked, but at least you were trying something. Okay. At least there's that. Okay. And actually five's interesting because they decided that the nose was too effeminate, and so they <laughs> cast up a brand new, more masculine nose and literally just glued it on top of the mask. They didn't re- recast the mask. They just glued it. They glued that shit on top of it. So if you see the screen use part five mask, there's this nasty appliance. You know, stuck over top of the nose. He's got this long freaking rock star hair. Again, some Greg Nicotero shit. Look at him. Go look at that freaking dude. Tell me he don't want some long rock star hair on Michael Myers. But at least they tried something. Which is more than we can say for part four. With the pink mask with blonde hair. In it. That they didn't try to do shit. And there you go. So you're not a fan of the blonde Michael Myers mask? (laughs) At least that's admitting you didn't do shit. Isn't there a blonde one in part two when uh, the the wrong kid gets run over and the car explodes? Who's that kid? Do you know? I do. Who's it? It's uh, uh, Tramer. It's Ben Tramer. Ben Tramer got smashed. I refuse to believe that. My own headcanon says no, he lived because I did his his fan project where I got to be Ben Tramer. It was fantastic. What I'm saying is I am Ben Tramer, and it's not too late to insert me in the movie, guys. If you're listening, I work cheap. We got a whole other year now. Yeah, I, I I pitch this every week to whatever studio we're talking about. I work cheap. Uh, I, and there's nothing I can't move around. So there you go. Hit me up. <laughs> it's true dedication. Uh, well, that has been our super long episode. It's a great time about Halloween. But hey, it's it's the finale for our Halloween season. So uh, thank you, Commander Scott, for joining us and running all the technical this week. I try. Um, thank you. Huge thanks to our resident expert, uh, John Colin Gritton, for joining in the show. Uh, we'll get you a cool, fun name later. Uh, the maestro, the Michael Myers mask himself, John Colin Gritton. And thank you for sitting with us what has got to be a two-hour episode at this point. It's dark now. It wasn't dark earlier. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're coming up on an hour 47. So, right. so not bad. Thanks for sticking with us this long. Uh, we hope yeah, if you listen this long, you're a big Halloween fan. So we hope you enjoy listening. And we'll catch you next time. Until then, this has been your weekly Nerd Alert. It's almost time, kids. The clock is ticking. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon, and remember the big giveaway at nine. Don't miss it. And
Don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking. It's almost time. Happy, happy Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Happy, happy Halloween.